You're my best friend. Come give me a hug. Now it's time to die. With light comes the darkness, and the shadows roam the land. Illumination and umbra come hand in hand. Angels bring blessings and demons steal guidance as the eyes of the darkness watch in silence. Join us as we dive deep into the depths of the unknown and go beyond the spectrum of our perception. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Spectrum of Perception podcast. This is part two of Magic and the Haunted Dolls. If you didn't hear last week's episode, please go and check it out now. We're back with Magic Friedgren as we discuss the haunted dolls Robert from Germany and Okiku from Japan. Magic, Ken, are you ready to get into it? I'm really excited to get into it. Yes, absolutely. All right, Ken, start us off with Robert. Well, to put it simply... Robert is rumored to be a haunted doll resembling that of a little boy in a sailor suit. Robert's face looks, uh, how would I say it? It looks very human due to its facial features being that of, you know, a small, practically non-existent nose. Uh, but he's got like two small holes, a smile, and that seems very malevolent. And he's got beady eyes and he's got like these nicks and dents all over his face. We'll post a picture of Robert and all the other dolls we discuss on our social media page. At one point, um, Robert was owned by an eccentric artist from Florida by the name of Robert Otto. I wonder where the doll got his name. <laughs> For the sake of everyone, we will just refer to Robert, the person, the Robert, the person by his last name, Otto. And so that way we don't get him confused with the doll. So in 1904, Otto's grandfather was in Germany on holiday uh, when he found the doll and he gifted it to Otto for his birthday. So the doll was originally made by the, and I'll probably butcher this, the Steiff company for a window display. And it was surprisingly not supplied with the sailor suit that he's known to wear. So surprisingly enough, the company has been said to have made the very first teddy bear that was inspired by former president Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, that's cool. Well, I didn't know that. Right. I didn't even know that the teddy bear was named after Teddy Roosevelt. I didn't put two and two together on that. I thought that was really interesting. I never. Yeah. I mean, I always heard the nickname, but I never didn't put a bear to that name. Right. Cool stuff to find out. <laughs> things every day. Anyway. So when Otto got older, he studied in New York and Paris while Robert the doll remained in the family home. So Otto would eventually returned with his wife in 1930 and proceeded to live out the rest of his days with his family and Robert the doll until his passing in 1974. After Otto's wife had passed, the family home and Robert would eventually be sold off to a lady by the name of Myrtle Ruder, I think was her name. Hmm. Uh, again, I just butchered the last name probably, but Myrtle owned the house for about 20 years until it was once again sold off to its most recent owners. 
Uh, Robert remained in the home until about 1994, where he was donated to the East Martello Museum, where he currently resides to this day. Hmm. Now, now I'm sure everyone is wondering, well, where is all the weird and creepy stuff that comes to this? You know, I said it was a haunted doll, but I didn't say anything else about it because, you know, right now, nothing's sounding spooky or unusual. (laughs) So. Well, well, to start, people remember Otto having an unhealthy relationship with Robert. He would take it everywhere, and he talked to it like it was a real person. When Otto was still a young boy, whenever there was an unfortunate event, strange occurrence, or like a something mischievous of some kind, Otto was known to blame it all on Robert. Hmm. People tended to brush it off as just a child's imagination. That is, until Otto started to get older. As an adult, Otto was seen leaving Robert positioned awkwardly in the upstairs window where local children reported seeing him disappear and reappear at random times. People tended to brush it off as just a child's imagination. That is, until Otto started getting older. So as an adult, Otto was leaving Robert in like these awkward positions in the upstairs window where local children were reported seeing him disappear and reappearing at random times that's freaky yeah that's already like our first like the dolls moving oh my <laughs> after the death of otto uh, myrtle the lady who had bought the house reported hearing sounds of footsteps and childlike giggles coming from the attic he freely moved around the house without limit and appeared in many odd places some people even say robert's facial expressions would alter themselves whenever anyone spoke ill of his former owner. I kind of like, I would feel very creeped out if I'm like, so like this doll was owned by Jim and Jim is out to see on, you know, on, I I don't know, maybe he, maybe he died or maybe he's out, you know, in the army or something and he's deployed. And it's like, man, Jim is such an asshole. I just, (laughs) You know, going off and leaving me with all the responsibilities of these two kids, and then just seeing his favorite doll just started to look mad at me, like, yeah, stands up and just <laughs> slaps you across the face, like, and then just goes, no, no, <laughs> and then just falls down to the ground like Toy Story. <laughs> that would be, I would first, it'd be really horrifying, but then it would be extremely like, who in the hell had the ability to move this doll? And then it would really dawn on you. <laughs> So anyway, so uh, as I mentioned before, after 20 years, he was eventually donated to the museum. This became a huge turning point for Robert as his popularity grew over the years. He inspired horror movies. He appeared on TV. And there is even a ghost tour that stops to witness Robert. It's said that the fans even buy replicas of the Robert doll. I'm sorry, but I feel like there's some level of disrespect with selling a replica of a doll who is pretty much possessed by who knows what. There would be no way in hell I'd ever be able to buy a replica of a haunted doll. Uh, I mean, we buy replicas of different kinds of things. I mean, that's true, but like, it's that spirit or whatever attached to that one doll. And then someone's like, I'm going to ka-ching, ka-ching, make some money off of this. That's bad karma on their part. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like, I don't know. And I just feel like adding adding to that by purchasing it, I feel like would just be adding to that disrespect, like Ooh, just, adding to the karma chain. Yeah. yeah. Just like, le- just, just leave, leave it be leave you know? well enough alone. 
it's interesting because I mean Annabelle that we talked about in the last episode she is a raggedy Ann doll so she had this entire brand you know going back to 1915 you know before all those creepy things happened with this one doll in the 70s so I wonder if that has affected like the raggedy Ann brand or oh yeah I would never have guessed that I mean that's a good point. The only thing I feel like is different in Robert's case is he was never uh, he was never a doll that was meant to be sold to children. It was just made mm. for a window display. So there's not going to be true. extra copies of it. So like a floor model doll that you wouldn't buy off the floor, you'd get in a box separately. Yeah. So now they're making replicas of the actual Robert doll, which mm. probably comes with the sailor suit. And the sailor suit did not come with the doll originally. That was not part of the design. Uh, they said that that sailor suit was probably Otto's when he was a little kid and they just put it on the doll. So okay. now they're like absolutely pinpointing this one particular doll and making something else look exactly like it versus just, you know, a doll that's already had a whole mass manufactured version mm-hmm. of itself everywhere. And it just happened to have one of it get possessed by something. It also makes me think of like, imagined if the doll became possessed in the factory, but when someone took notice of it, they rip it apart and they add it to the rest of the fluff for the other dolls. And it's a piece of something from that doll goes into all the other dolls. And it's basically a Harry Potter crux situation. Oh God. Um, oh, you mean Horcrux? Horcrux. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the soul has been dissipated across all corners of the planet. And now there's one, this big pandemic living dolls. <laughs> oh gosh. It'd be a nightmare. Right. <laughs> So while we're also on the topic of disrespect, many people have visited Robert and have experienced terrible mishaps and bad luck due to showing disrespect to the doll. I think I even read somewhere that if you want to take a picture of Robert, you have to ask for his permission first. That would be really like, not, I wouldn't, I would be a little neurotic of you to be up to go up to a doll and be like, hey, I know you don't like people. But can I get a picture real quick? It's a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> then, you, then you use like the bunny filter on Instagram or something. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> in, all, in the picture, it'll just show him with angry eyes and bunny ears. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, if he got angry and like cursed that person, I could kind of understand it on some level. I mean, some people incite it on themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you use the bunny filter, I mean, there's you, you had it coming. <laughs> you deserve energy, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> so um, did you know that uh, Robert even receives his own fan mail and emails asking for favors or to hex somebody? And some people will even uh, message or mail to apologize for disrespecting him. Wow. So it's like, you know, people have reported getting in car accidents afterwards, kind of kind of similar to what she said about Annabelle, mm-hmm. you know, and like all this bad stuff would happen after they had done this disrespect and they realized like, oh shit, I need to go back. I need to, and like, I need to apologize to this doll. I know that seems weird, but it, it's just like, it's, it's too it, coincidental. It's like a mafia boss. Like I disrespect him. Let me go kiss his pinky ring. <laughs> <laughs> Since Robert can't technically answer any of these letters or emails he has a new caretaker um and i'm, I'm very bad with with names sometimes so I, i'm gonna apologize again i'm gonna be butchering this but uh the caretaker's name is convertito huh interesting name yeah uh she will she would eventually uh 
become the caretaker and uh, she answers on his behalf. Uh, she mostly answers uh, emails and, you know, regular mail from uh, children because Robert's former owner, Otto, always had like a childlike demeanor. So she figured pretty much whether or not Robert is, you know, a really a haunted doll or not, it appears there's like a mutual understanding between the two. And she knows that Robert would want her to help the children, but she, uh, she basically does this stuff for Robert, even like, she doesn't know if Robert is real, you know, but she understands that there has to be some kind of mutual like connection between the two of them, because um, she's able to, she's been able to do her job without having any kind of like weird haunted incidences. So they're almost like her. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah, pretty much. And that's pretty much the story of Robert right now. Like, you know, some people think that maybe he is, you know, maybe he's possessed by the spirit of Otto, but then that doesn't explain all the stuff that happened when Otto is still alive. Hmm. I guess the concept would be harder to choke if it was him pouring himself into the stall, like having it around and have, having such a large presence of his own. It just kind of seeps psychically into this doll and it gives off that energy so that when he passed yeah it's like robert is his shadow like his shadow oh yeah like that yeah Mm. Mm, that's interesting and and scary (laughs) because it's literally like transferring your soul to something the Mm. guy was like oh this is my favorite and i'm gonna put it in spots and so much of him was poured into that the doll started Mm. responding and doing things and then it became an entity of its own Mm. even more so after he died the auto guy Mm -hmm. that's kind of freaky it really is like i don't know i was always intrigued by the robert story like um mostly because of the fact that it sits in a museum and people have to pay respect to it if they don't want like they have if they want to see him they have to pay respect otherwise they could be cursed with bad luck you know man can you imagine you didn't even want to go past that exhibit of where the dolls add and you still get cursed because you walked by and didn't say your your thanks. You're like, disrespectful mortal, I will make your skin itch for weeks. And you're like, oh, why is this happening? No prior knowledge that the doll was the purpose. And that would be awful because then you would be like, I'm afflicted. I don't know why. And then someone's like, did you go to the museum and didn't say your thanks to this doll? Yeah, you have to kiss his pinky ring. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know that. What happens if I do? Well, it depends if it accepts your apology or not. So then that leaves you with the question, am I really crazy enough to go up to this doll and say, please forgive me? (laughs) I am not. uh, I have no shame. I mean, if it's going to help your life, I probably would do it too, though. Be like, oh, my life, my skin, it's bleeding. I need to stop. I am sorry, doll. Can I give you a pat on the head? It'd be like no and then give you worse conditions <laughs> it's funny because like stuff like this plays into like my belief system like where i believe there could be or there might not be i don't know either i, I need the evidence to prove otherwise otherwise i'm just going to be open to both options right so we'll still be cautious yeah. yeah so it's like part of me is like do i really think the doll's haunted probably not but the other half of me is like do i want to take the risk no, no, because there's that small <laughs> chance that it might actually be. So, you know, I'm just going to be like, Robert, would you be okay if I took a photo of you and me? I promise not to use the bunny filter because 
clearly because clearly <laughs> Robert has his own toy too. It, he holds like this little stuffed dog. So if oh, you an want, accessory for the doll. Okay. Yeah. So if you want, Robert, I'll be more than happy to do the dog filter because I'm sure you prefer. <laughs> uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. I, I don't mean I don't mean That's any. When he gives you fleas. <laughs> I mean, I mean no disrespect. I, you know, I don't know what Robert's intent is, but you know, just as a real human being, I'm just going to pay him respect regardless. You know, couldn't hurt. Yeah, it couldn't hurt to do mm-hmm. that. I mean, in my opinion, if a doll was had the ability to, to cause afflictions. I would probably be first in line, like, I love you. <laughs> um, uh, I hope you have a great day sitting in your glass box. And it's just this doll staring back at you with a deadpan face, like, go away. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, I always feel like a doll can have a set of personalities and depending on like the face could make it more creepy. Like if it's the the previous dolls, nicks and bumps and scratches, and even the antique look can look really like frightening. Mm-hmm. And then you come across the doll in the middle of the night in a hallway, and it moves, and you can see it clear enough. You would probably burn your house down. But <laughs> I mean, I would. I would probably be nope. Time to move. Get out. <laughs> Never. Could you could you imagine you're standing outside? The house is on fire. And then some like random neighbor or something comes up to you and goes, what happened? And he's like, honestly, if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. And he's like, trust me, I've seen everything. Like he's like this elderly man, maybe in his eighties. Trust me. I've seen everything. I believe in everything. Try me. And you can be like, well, there was this doll that we had in the house. We got it from this place. And they said the name of the doll was this. And he's like, oh, the Soton something doll? Yeah. Well, you mean this one pulls it out of his jacket? <laughs> that's a, Actually, that's a lot better turn than I was going to take it. Oh, I was going to say the old man's going to be like, oh, you mean the doll that consciously makes people set their houses on fire? And you're like, damn it. <laughs> I thought that was me doing it. And the guy's like pointing at his house. Yeah, it happened last, last couple hours. <laughs> Sorry, uh, See, I beat you to it. Yeah, it also happened to the Johnsons last week, the and then o- the Sm- o- Olivers, and then-, <laughs> then the Smiths. They all got burned. That's why we've been smelling smoke this whole week. Yeah, the dolls kind of went on sale really quick, and apparently every kid wants one. <laughs> I'm trying to, I honestly can't remember, but there was a, a town or a city back in the old days here in the States that the whole pl- the whole town, the whole city or something caught fire. And part of me is just like, was it the doll? <laughs> <laughs> Who started it? <laughs> the doll. <laughs> you know that, you know, uh, I, I'm so bad. Now that we're out of high school and everything, I'm so bad with remembering history stuff. But do you remember that thing called the shot that was heard around the world? It was like, there was no war going on, but there was, there was a shot that was heard and it started the whole war. I can't remember if it was oh, like the Revolutionary no, War or the Civil War, but something started like nobody was no one had started it. But then suddenly, boom, there was a, a shot and it just everything just it triggered everything else. Yeah. And I could just imagine seeing like a doll with like a musket. <laughs> <laughs> it's sitting there cocking it, putting the little thing that stuffs the, the gunpowder down at the bottom of the barrel. What? <laughs> uh, why do you have that? doesn't talk back still stuffing it 
or or it, or he has like one of those little guns that you see like, like, pirate, a, like, like a pirate would hold on to. yeah <laughs> and it's just sitting there just like in it was like a doll that one of the soldiers daughters gave him you know it's like take this with you daddy it's for good luck <laughs> and then the doll just happened to be from some secondhand store that originally came from some place uh, of wet made voodoo a real thing <laughs> right <laughs> although that that concept of idealism voodoo everybody's told not to mess with it but there are people who really know how to dabble in that that's just they make dolls with your hair or something in it to cause you harm that's a stereotypical ritual that i've heard about yeah but that also has something to do with dolls but i also think it's it has different like i think they do it to heal people as well and i think i mean there are a lot of like hollywood Mm -hmm. cliches you know with with voodoo dolls and things like that but oh that's a fascinating yeah. concept though you know i never thought of a voodoo doll being used for good you know and like she it- no no for healing yeah and and yeah and and even in ancient egypt you know they have found like dolls you know with like spikes and things in them and they actually believe that that was a way to try to heal people and yeah it's very interesting Hmm. not not all dolls with spikes in them are for bad right and you know (laughs) it it makes a lot of sense because you know most people think when you see a voodoo doll that it's just an item for used for evil and like if you really think about it if, if it's used for healing then it's no different than like modern medicine today. A doctor can give you a pill that can make you feel better, but if he gives you 30 of the same pill at the same time, <laughs> that could be very harmful. True. So it's kind of the same concept. Like if you use this doll and, and use the, the needles just right in the right areas, you could be therapeutically fixing them, doing whatever, or you could just stab it through the heart. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because the, the idea behind it is that the caster has the intent. So what are you willing to use it for? Like they say that in, I believe in Wicca, that you're, you should never cause harm because it will come back to you tenfold. Mm-hmm. You should only want to do good. No, not tenfold. It's, yeah, it's, it's the threefold law. So everything you put out comes back times. Oh, okay. Three. In in with and that is just within Wicca, but oh, yeah. I like that though because it gives you a warning: don't do this for bad reasons. And you never know; it could mess with something on the grand scale of your life, your lifetime, in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And you could be like, "I hate that guy at the grocery store who cut me off in the parking lot and stole my parking space." And then when I was in line, all he did was crop dust me for two hours. <laughs> so, and you're like completely distasteful this person now and voodoo the doll and make sure you snip a part of their hair in the line because they're just crop dusting anyway <laughs> you make sure they suffer for it and then you realize that that was probably not a good idea and bad stuff happens to you mm-hmm. your car breaks down on the way home um someone steals that car after you filled it up and took care of it and got it home and you paid the money to get it towed and everything and it keeps rolling until you make up for what you've done and depending on what you did could be a long lifetime kind of effect mm-hmm. so like if you made someone get into a car accident i imagine the repercussion if it's threefold if they survive that car accident the kind of pain that you might be put through is probably way worse right and i then, wouldn't want to do that <laughs> you know what, and what's funny is like my belief in karma is like sometimes when i'm like really mad at, and most of the time it's usually when i'm driving oh road rage. you know the road rage you know i won't i won't like 
roll the window down and start cursing somebody out. But like if someone cuts me off or they try to like get into the my into my lane and they're almost hitting me and I have to like slam on my brakes, I will get really mad. But instead of wishing something, because a lot of people are like, I hope you die or I hope you get in an accident or something like that. I think about that whole karma thing. I'm like, I don't want the bad karma, but since I'm still mad and in the moment and still want to wish, wish bad on them, I wish a mild inconvenience. So I'll be like, I hope you run out of gas on the freeway. <laughs> you know, so it's like, it's a wish, mild I hope a mosquito uh, leaves a big bite in a spot that you aren't allowed to scratch in public. <laughs> just make it horrible. Like just so like irritating like yeah your car gets broken down but you can always fill it up but a mosquito bite that's forever i'm just kidding it's not forever <laughs> it's a couple days baby <laughs> i just think like um i just think like if i'm wishing someone uh running out of gas on the freeway like they're gonna be their car's gonna notify them hey you're almost out of gas and then they're gonna pull off to the off to the side and then they're going to get out and they're going to be pissed off and they're going to have to pull out the reflectors turn on their hazard signal and they're going to have to hope that they have a gas tank and they have to walk the freeway until they get to the nearest exit and then walk to the nearest gas station and then walk and then walk all the way back (laughs) or even have to call a tow truck or something you know it's like it's not bad in the sense that it's hurting someone but it might just it's really like inconvenient that's very inconvenient on them yeah that way mm-hmm. i figure like if it comes back to me it's like it'll be like oh i, I you get the mosquito bite <laughs> <laughs> but one and what scared me is one day i was driving on the freeway right and um i was I was driving on the freeway and I had all this stuff that I had to do all day long and I was on my way home but I was on the other end of town and I was I was on the freeway and where I was at, there wasn't a lot of areas to, there wasn't, it was like a long stretch of freeway. So I couldn't just easily get off the freeway right away. And I looked at my car and I was almost out of gas. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God, all those times I wished that people would run out of gas on the freeway. It's going to be me. (laughs) Luckily, luckily I found an exit and I went and I was able to pull in and get gas, but it freaked me out because I was like, is this my karma for wishing it on other people that I'm going to have it happen to me? Honestly, though. But it's it's so interesting because I think, I mean, you can get frustrated with someone and then you're like, oh, oh, I wish they they don't, uh, you know, that they run out of gas or something. But if you were to be given the choice to actually push a button and when you had pushed that button, they would definitely, that would definitely happen because I think there's a difference between that annoyed thought of, oh, I hope things goes bad for them and actually wanting to manifest that. Because I feel like it's a bit unfair if we would actually get punished for just having those thoughts without the oh, intention. Uh-huh. See, like, yeah, because yeah. something that yeah. you may be in a hurry and you accidentally cut someone off because you're in a rush, you're still being a cautious and good driver. You're not trying to hurt anybody, but there was only that time frame to get in between where you needed to go. Right. And it happened to cut somebody mm-hmm. off. It would suck to be punished for something that you have priorities over without hurting anyone else. So like you wish that they didn't have gas and then they never make it to the most important thing of their life. Like let's say a cruise ship that they're going to get married on and the guy has to drive there and it's, he's on half across town and has to go to California because it's the only beach around that takes time. And he gets stuck in the middle of nowhere, no gas line, cell phones, dead flat tire, no gas. He's screwed. And then his wife, 
then his wife thinks that he had cold feet and, and then, then sleeps with his and then his best him. man <laughs> and then makes then after that it starts going to a snowball effect so yeah i i can understand how that would really suck like is it i'm the type of person who yeah. doesn't i want to say like if you're let's say we're in the mall and there's two tortoise-like people who are just moving so slow in front of you. And there's the store maybe five seconds away from getting in there, but you can't get past them. And they're taking their sweet time. And you're like, I, I want to push you so bad. Like, I really just want to run you over, get out of my way. And it's mainly impatience on my part, but it's also, I don't like being in those kinds of places a long time. I want to get in and out as fast as I can because I hate big, large crowds. So I go to the mall and I'm trying to buy a gift for like a birthday for someone I like and I can't get to the store because it's packed and there's people in the aisle trying to get to that said store and I can sit there and I'm internally frustrated. Get out of my way, get out of my way. <laughs> I want to buy this and go home. I just want to relax. Yeah. I'm filled with anxiety being here. I hate you people. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally sometimes what happens though. Like, I don't like going to grocery stores yeah. because that same reason. Like, if it's really packed, I'm frustrated. And the moment I notice how packed it is, I'm like, I don't want to be here. I want to go home. I'd rather have it ordered. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to deal with that. I hate people. And it's like, okay, that's, that's not the right way to say that. I dislike being around people for too long or too many people for too long. That's what I don't like. I don't hate people. I dislike being around it for too long a period of time. Like, oh, it's like when you overstay your welcome, but you weren't invited and you kind of just magically had to be there anyway, because let's say like a friend of a friend and brought you with and was like, oh, I had nothing else going on. I'll hang out. And then you're stuck with something that I hate you because you dropped me into this situation. And you're <laughs> like, I didn't mean to, but it happened. And then, you know, that same mentality where you wish punishment upon them because they put you through something inconvenient really does suck. And even it was small as like, a mosquito bot bit you on the arm and I tried to warn you, but not fast enough. You're like, it's your fault. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I think to a certain extent, I think I believe in like cause and effect. If you hit someone in the face, you know, there's a good chance they will hit Mm -hmm. you back, you know, in that very practical way. But I don't really believe in the threefold law. I don't think that is necessarily true. And I don't think, I mean, I think our thoughts inside our own heads are kind of our playground. Like we can think anything. It's our actions that count. So I think, you know, you can, if, if you just think, wish someone, if you wish ill for someone, you know, randomly inside of your own head, because, you know, you're in a big crowd and you, you get, you're getting anxiety and you feel like, oh, everyone is so annoying. Why can't they just move along? You know, there is no like true intention between the, be, behind those thoughts. And I think intention and actions are really what it must come down to. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Like some people, like yeah. some people would get so mad at someone who's just like, I wish you were dead. Right. And then someone comes up, it's like, here's a gun. Yeah. And you're like, uh, no, 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 I, I can't do that. No, it's like, <laughs> it's yeah. like no, I, I can't shoot them. No, I, I don't really want them dead. No, I'm just mad. <laughs> that also makes me think of the com- uh, the conversation piece of you wouldn't kill the meat you would eat. You would never kill the animal yourself. You would say, oh, I wish they were on my plate. I'm hungry. But you wouldn't personally go out and get the knife to cut the animal apart. You wouldn't personally want to do that. That's exactly what I feel like. If you wish something 
that you, and then the other person was like, oh, really? Here's your chance. And you're like, no, I didn't mean it. I was just saying it because it felt good to say it. And then they're like, well, that just makes you a terrible person. And you're like, no, it's actually just personally, like, I just don't like this thing. And then you still presented the option, but would you take it? Are you going to be willing to push the button that destroys the world or the button that keeps everybody happy? But if you can't do that and there's only one choice, press them both. <laughs> I feel like that would cause some kind of... It's a happy bomb. <laughs> space time, like some kind of ripple in the space-time continuum. Oh, God, that would be awful. I knew it would start the apocalypse one way or another. You know, it's funny. <laughs> not, not, to, not to revert back to something we were talking about earlier, but when, when you mentioned the whole scenario about guy having to get in the car and drive to California to go get married on a cruise ship with his wife and every or soon to be wife and everything and he gets just stuck in the middle of nowhere with flat tire and no gas i just pictured he's sitting there just tr- walking around the car trying to figure out what to do and there's like a doll in the back seat with the gas siphon <laughs> oh man oh man because <laughs> i just like we were talking about like the, the dolls from in history like oh maybe the dolls started the the war or, you know but we, anyways um i just thought that was the funny thought that came to my head <laughs> but you know we still have one more doll that we need to talk about oh yes we do and i'm sure the people really want to hear about it in my, my ramblings yes this one uh even though even though you did the research for this one i looked into it just ever so slightly because i was really intrigued by what you were going to be researching and t- telling us about today so all i gotta say is the first two dolls that we talked about were very like creepy and kind of scary that, and I wouldn't necessarily want to be in the same room as them, but this one seems like I would almost want to actually visit. Yes, it's so interesting and bizarre that you're like, that's not possible. I have to see this for myself. And then you do, and you're like, oh God. <laughs> All right, so let's begin the, the story Okiku. In 1968, there was an American-styled fashion doll by the name of Chrissy that had the functionality to grow her hair at the will of the child. The doll had a knob in its back that allowed for the hair to be lengthened and shortened for many different hairstyles. However, this isn't the first doll to have this ability. Interesting. Uh, That is really interesting. That also makes me want to look up more of them. Uh, (laughs) There is another doll that has existed for over a century that is known for its strange and supernatural ability to grow its own hair. Now, see, that's the thing I was, you were talking about, like, at something you have to want to witness. Yeah. And that's pretty much as far as I know about this, this doll. I just wanted a basic synopsis of what, it, what it was about. And when, when I heard that it grows its own hair, I'm like, how does a doll grow its own hair? And it just made me think of like exactly what you just talked about, about there being an old doll, what you said, Chrissy doll mm-hmm. um, that, you know, it has a knob on the back. It grows its own hair. Cause I've seen dolls like that on TV. So thinking about wait a minute this is an actual doll that's that's doing it but it doesn't have the function to do it i really like i can't wait i like i didn't want to read anymore because i wanted to be surprised for today's episode i don't mean to make light of the doll though but i i kind of wish it when they do cut the hair they give it to like locks of love or whatever so people who have cancer who don't have hair can have wigs and stuff like that you want to give them haunted wigs sure (laughs) (laughs) it'll make their hair have volume (laughs) okay well anyway 50 years prior to the creation of the Chrissy doll, um, Ichi Suzuki purchased the doll for his two-year-old sister, Okiku. Um, Ironically, the young girl named the doll Okiku after herself. 
Um, interesting. That's the second doll that's literally been named after its owner mm-hmm. that I know of. Uh, the the doll stood at 16 inches or 40 centimeters tall with beady eyes and short chopped black hair. The doll was purchased as a souvenir from the popular uh, Tanuki Koji shopping district located in the city of, I'm going to probably say this totally wrong, but Suparo of the Hokkaido region. <clears throat> the girl absolutely loved the doll and was seen playing with it periodic or practically every day. But sadly, just one year later, tragedy struck and the young girl had passed away due to, well, yellow fever. Aww. Oh, that is pretty sad. Such a young, young soul. Deeply saddened at their loss, the family wanted to bury Okiku with the doll. But government oversight had it prevented. Um, the family had added the doll to their family's altar so that they could pray to it in honor of Okiku's memory. That's kind of sweet, like a, 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 a memento of sorts. Yeah. It's, I do. I am interested, though, why the government would have any uh, say so in what gets buried with their dead. I mean, I'm sure there is in some cultures, but I, I'm very interested in wondering why they wouldn't let the doll be buried with the, the child. That is very peculiar, really. Uh, after a while, the family began to notice something strange and unusual about the doll. Its hair and fingernails were growing. And its fingernails? Yeah, the fingernails, too. But sadly, you don't get really clear pictures of that part, but you do get clear pictures of the hair. And at different time frames, too. It's really, really interesting. The family began having dreams of the doll and sometimes would wake up with the doll near their bedside. Nope. (laughs) As the year came closer to special dates, such as Okiku's date of birth and date of death, more intense supernatural events would occur. Oh, kind of like what I was telling you about with uh, Irving. Yeah, of the balloon. Oh, my gosh. I think that's something about the spirit that if it recognizes that it had a mortality of the day that it came to be and the day that it ended, it's significant because it's like the portal that connects them to this world and the next. That's in mm. my opinion. I don't know that. Uh, so like supernatural stuff that included like flickering lights, weird voices, banging sounds throughout the house. For most people, this would seem like a terrifying sight, but for this family, it was a sign that their beloved Okiku spirit still remained nearby. That's also very like, warming to know that your loved one is still kind of with you yeah that that's i like that idea too you know not to not to branch off but um we uh me and my wife had found a um this company that makes an urn Hmm. that is basically it 3d prints a version of the person person's head that died like a a bust almost yeah kind of like a bust but like it's It'll look just like them. And then you put the ashes in it. And I'm sorry, I don't think I could have <laughs> my family member's head on my mantle or shelf knowing that their their remains are inside. I would just feel really creeped out. It literally gives me the same vibes as those hunters who put like the animal heads on plaques in their house and they're all staring down at them. I can't stand being in rooms like that. It It's not their eyes. It's knowing that those poor things had to die for this moron sport. Right. And I'm like, mm. ew, you don't deserve to have the nice things you have because you've just murdered for the sake of it being a game. It'd be different if you were eating the flesh and doing like what Native Americans would do or any natives with the whole beast being consumed and mm. used for every part. This was not happening. And I, that gives me that feeling of you're going to make a 3D printed of your, let's say your best friend's head who passed away from some tragic thing. And it's constantly their face, like those pictures with the eyes that follow you in that room. I would never go in the room. I would never go back in that room. It'd be like, you're, you, you rent that. (laughs) 
glad you stay there. I used to, um, I used to work with this lady um, at uh, Walmart. She, she had her husband, her husband's ashes in a box hmm. and she never displayed it. She just kept it in the closet, <laughs> like oh, I could buried under really things. Bad. Oh, it just kept it and really like, oh, I guess she was more like, he's the husband I hated. <laughs> well, no, like she didn't hate her husband from what she told, what she told us, but I just found it awkward. Like, why would you keep your husband in the closet? <laughs> Maybe it's not something that people are comfortable with having. Like my family with my grandfather, we didn't keep him in the urn for very long. We ended up having to, ended up wanting to spread his ashes somewhere. And I had the dream maybe weeks ahead because they had talked about a plan about that. So I, I guess had that in my mind. I literally thought if I had to keep the ashes in the house, this prince is never going to be laid to rest. It's not in a hollow ground or anything like how we were supposed to believe that the dead are supposed to be treated. Mm -hmm. And so it kept getting me bad vibes. So I kept like bringing it up almost like every weekend, like let's go take it here and let's spread it out. But then I think about what if I kept some of it and uh, cause you can turn some of people's ashes into like a diamond. You can compress it. You can do necklaces, rings, a bunch of things. You can do a bunch of stuff with the ashes of your, of the dead. Yeah. But the fallacy behind cremation is that you're not just getting the person you just burned you're getting also other people's ashes as well. And it's very like, oh, I didn't think about, I mean, I literally had to go through this experience with my grandfather because we cremated him. And the the tray that they put them in, whatever, was had a bunch of ash and pieces of bone and a bunch of other stuff. And I'm like, can we clean that out first? And they're like, no, we don't have time. And they just threw them in there. And I'm like, that's shocking. I, I didn't yeah, know it's, that. You get other remnants yeah. of other people and you wonder why those who keep them oh. might have spirits in their house. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting because to me, it's it's so different because in Sweden, you know, you you are not allowed to have like someone's ashes like in your home. Like, you know, you have to spread them and you have to spread them, you know, after a certain time and everything. Like you can't keep the ashes in your house like it's it's not, i think that's know, what it's like here yeah, in the states are, um for specifically this arizona yeah. where we are oh yeah yeah because i mean you know i've never been in a home where someone had had like an urn with someone's ashes like it's when yeah it's very when different. you do if any time in the future you do it is a weird not really like a shocking experience it's more of like there's a dead body in the room with me <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's kind of fun, but it's... I mean, for some people, I guess it's a way to feel closer and, you know, it all depends on sort of what you, like how you grow up as well, if that was something that was a part of your home and... But, but yeah, to me, it feels uh, I wouldn't be comfortable with it personally, but of course, yeah, it's different perspectives and yeah. Before, uh, before you get back to the story about Okiku, um, <clears throat> I keep getting all these cool ideas in my head as we talk about stuff. And I was thinking about another interesting movie idea. I think this is what happened the last time we all talked. We keep coming up with movie ideas. <laughs> but yeah. think, have you ever thought about this? <laughs> so imagine a, a movie where there was like some kind of evil sorcerer or something, right? And he reigned for his entire life. And suddenly the sorcerer 
dies, right? And so some of his close followers, disciples, disciples, whatever, yeah, cremate his body, right? And then put and then cre- take the ashes and create a gem out of it, right? And then now that gem contains the powers of that sorcerer and anyone who possesses it. Like, I don't know. It's it just... gives me Lord of the Ring vibes because the stabs that uh, Gandalf and the other, I forget his name, the other one used, they had like those gems sitting in the top of them. Yeah. I was like, oh, how do you come across a magical piece of ev- essence like that? Probably from something that contained magic and crystallized or cremated and formed into a gem. Because that's kind of what the Iron Age or Bronze Age, which basically was passing because once they got that it was more like metal pieces putting it together the bronze age was before this or just after the stone age and wizards and all that stuff was considered to be like just a beat after this the iron whatever but past and in between the medieval as well like magic has existed in every culture in a different form or another and it's i just feel like we don't have access to it anymore because the knowledge that was supposed to be kept sacred is probably hidden well too well we're like, oh, it's in a cave that's yeah. underneath one of the pyramids in Egypt, but it's been like 10,000 years in the sands that build up so much that it'd be impossible to get back down there or even realize that there's something is down there. Mm-hmm. But the key to magic is somewhere underground now. And we don't know how to get to it. We're like, oh. Like, I mean, it's so different. I mean, magic has always been like in those underground communities, like even even you know after the world got more and more like developed with science and everything there has always been that sort of uh, underlying like different groups and secret societies and all those things like i don't think we we will ever completely lose magic but of course a lot of things you know it, it's kind of like when you think about the library of alexandria Ooh, and how that I've was learned and all that knowledge like of those ancient practices and philosophies and you know it just it, it hurts your soul it does. Really. Mm-hmm. throughout history um history in itself was constantly being torn apart because of religious aspects and all that stuff the acquisition and all that and just cultures not liking each other in general so a lot of our history has been quote-unquote deleted from us and so maybe the the concepts of back then, the mysticism that they had access to, at least in their minds, is no longer available because all that history has been erased. And it's like, oh, how frustrating because it actually could have existed, but we killed our own history off. How dumb. Like how I, I always kind of wondered, like, what right mindset must you be in to think that that was OK to do even back then? Like, where's the morality in this? Mm. Even now, morality is kind of a situational thing as a group too, like society. But an individual has to start it and then spread it. So it always comes from a source before it becomes a whole. Mm-hmm. And that's the person I would love to meet and be like, yeah, we're going to remove you from history. Goodbye. No more spreading your lies and your garbage. That's like, get rid of this karma that's forever screwed the earth from what it should have been. I would love to have time traveling about abilities. If that could do that, that's what I would use them for. We're fixing the things that we're tearing ourselves apart of. Like, oh, this war could have been avoided if this person didn't get shot because they dropped their own gun and went through their foot. Well, let's take the gun away from them. (laughs) Like, you know, do small things that won't completely change the future, but also set things back into place where they should have been rather than losing all of our history, some of like cultural backgrounds that existed, some things that even explain 
like societies that existed past what most religious people believe, we only existed 2000 years ago when there's proof of us from 15,000 years ago. And they're like, oh, that goes against the Bible. And then they're angry about it and they try to destroy it. Mm. So you have those people a lot. It's just, you have those two types of polars. One that's just, it can't exist no matter what. And the other who's like, oh, I see it differently, but it's also really asinine. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, "Eh, no, I'm good. But imagine if we had access to magic, what would our lives be like if we could use magic today? Like, Think of like Fantasia, you know, how Mickey Mouse does the levitating of the brooms and cleans the whole house and he's just dancing with his wand. I would die for that. I would just be like, I don't have to clean myself. Snap of fingers. Yeah. I mean, that, of course, would be, you know, if, if you could just wave your hand and have your entire house clean, that would, be, that would be really cool. But, you know, from my perspective, I use magic every day. So it's like... Oh, that's cool, though. <laughs> I mean manifestation and you know everything healing and yeah. a healing thing would be also great for me because i go through enough complications <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to know what i would do with magic i would have her come on our podcast and start doing some episodes with us <laughs> right right oh that'd be great <laughs> that's true yeah i'm i'm well i'm here i'm here magic is here <laughs> isn't magic great i yeah. love the play i'm sorry i love playing on the word because i just love being able to put it towards because her name is magic anyways and it's um, even spelled like yeah. the word too so yeah. it makes it work with a lot of ways yeah. anyway she should get back to uh, <laughs> let's finish the story of okiku then all right mm. so the family took great care of the doll for the next 20 years um until like 1938 when the family had to relocate for work but not to interrupt you again but i'm feeling a very similar vibe with robert because oh really yeah, yeah 20 20 years and then suddenly they're given you're like i'm done here you go (laughs) um in fear that okiku's spiritual abilities were linked to the distance of her grave they gave the doll to the manichi temple to watch over it Uh, the monks have reported that the doll's hair grows about 10 inches or 25 centimeters long and is periodically trimmed and cleaned ritually every march 21st i wonder why that day Normally, it would be dangerous to tamper with a doll that is haunted by a restless spirit. However, one of the monks supposedly had a dream where the spirit of Okiku had personally asked for her hair to be taken care of. Wow, can you imagine? It's like a, taking a little quick power nap and you're just kind of like, you're on quote-unquote duty and you have a really unique dream where the doll itself is communicating with you. And you know that the doll's hair is growing because you can see it, but it wants you you not somebody else personally to take care of them you're like you can go to a great clips or anything like that but (laughs) the doll's like you have no cosmetology experience i want you to fix my hair (laughs) (laughs) Uh, just just the kind of giggles um but yeah like that i would be fascinated if the doll was like this is unmanageable can you please help me out and if it were to be like i won't haunt you if you help me be like okay well that's an even trade i'll it's something as minimal as that if it was asking me to take it out to like mount everest and i had to leave it at the peak for 20 hours and go back down and go then go back up where i'd be like screw this doll i would never go through the trouble but the doll's only asking for a small favor please take care of my hair i'm like oh i'd almost think i was a little lunatic though because like did i just give this doll a voice (laughs) in my head like i heard something talk to me like oh no but then you'd be like calm the voices down, (laughs) calm the hair, calm the voice. Oh, anyway, back to the story. 
And we apologize if anyone's hearing cars outside. One just decided to drive by. Yes, I love the noise here. Anyway, to the story. To this day, not a single person has been able to explain how or why this doll's hairy nails continue to grow. It's an odd phenomenon that ever, ever so much that science cannot prove in any way. They can't explain it. It's, it's fascinating. Um, however, scientists have been able to determine that the hair growing from the doll is indeed that of a young girl. Oh, that's interesting. That's also very gross. I, I have to wonder, was it made from children's hair or is it just suddenly Okiku's hair? I always wondered if um, back in the day, because not having like plastic around to make doll hairs, they had to use animal hairs or people hair to kind of construct them back then. Those people who would get, you know, the facial hair removed or their actual top of their head. When shaving became an actual concept, I wonder if the hairs from those things was constantly used and recycled by doll makers. I wouldn't doubt it. It'd be interesting to think about, but I, yeah, I wouldn't doubt it either. But that just kind of adds to the creepy factor though. Yeah, seriously. Um, over time, the monks have stated that now the doll's mouth appears to be slowly opening. And if you dare look inside, you'll see what appears to be a young child's teeth growing as well. That is, okay. The hair and the fingernails is one thing, but teeth? That means it has a bone structure inside its head. Something has to form that kind of calcium. Oh, that's terrifying. Remember, remember, did you ever see that video on YouTube where it's the two kids and they're like little kid, like one's like an infant, the other one's maybe like a toddler and he put his finger in his mouth and he's like, oh, Charlie, that hurts. I literally had this moment of reading that part about the teeth in the doll's head that if a kid was curious enough to put its finger down in there and get chomped, it would freak them out for the rest of their life. I would never, never. (laughs) That's just very disturbing. You know, I have to wonder, so they, you know, science said they couldn't figure out why the hair is growing, but yet they determined it's actual children's hair. Now, obviously that could have, like we just said, that could have been came from, you know, people who used real hair in the construction of the doll, but it needs to be on an organism to grow. It needs a scalp and the proper nutrients to continue. I mean, it's not necessarily true because a corpse will still grow its fingernails and hair as it's in the grave. Mm-hmm. So true. I wonder if what happened was that somebody got their scalp implanted and it, and it's got enough enclosure for it to continuously grow. I'm not sure. I could be talking out of my ass right now, but it it kind of makes me think like what make, could make that possible other than a supernatural uh, as, uh, looking at it in that aspect. There's something real happening versus it's mystically happening there's no there's, I mean technically yes and overall it's mystically happening but we don't know why and science is like eh, we can determine it's real but we can't determine why that's the scary part that a doll is able to give yeah I really wonder I mean how they have examined it because I mean obviously they have taken like, samples of the hair itself but I wonder have they because I feel like they, they need to x-ray this doll and like, what does it look like inside and, you know, take tests. And I wonder, have they been allowed to do that? Because it, it I mean, it doesn't sound like they have any results from um, that kind of examination. But I mean, I feel like we, we, we really need to get to the bottom of this. I honestly you know? would love to take a trip to Japan just to see it myself. Yeah. That would be an interesting trip and a good reason for it not just to go to go (laughs) Uh and you know what's interesting is 
when she, you know, I was thinking the same thing as magic about, about, you know, they need to do some kind of scans on the, on the doll because, mm-hmm. and I don't remember exactly what kind of statue it was, but it was a decently sized statue. And I, I want to say it was a Buddha statue, but I could be completely wrong. But um, th- when they were examining it, cause it was a really old statue. And when they scanned it, there was an actual body in the statue oh that's actually part of this Ooh. culture that used to put their um elderly decrepit into them like they're past their their mum they're like mummies basically uh-huh. inside these stones and it's somewhat like a coffin really it's just a unique form of doing it and there's even like temples in other parts of the world where they don't even use the same like process of mummification but the bodies are well more preserved than the mummies that were using mummification. It's strange. Like you look at this person and you look like they, they're a little dried out, but they're still all whole. They're not falling apart or dusty. And they were there for thousands of years. Wow. And they can't understand how that was even possible. They're still, I mean, this was discovered maybe 12, 14 years ago. And they were like, we don't know how they were able to do that. Even with the technology that where this body was like dated from, they didn't have access to so many things that could help keep their body preserved, but somehow they magically were able to. It's like a Tibetan or something like that, but one of those kind of like far off East. And I was like, wow. But those are like the monk cultures too. They, who practice control of their own physical energies or spiritual energies. They practice that in the past. That's why they are so sequestered out in the mountains. They're not worldly involved. They're not obsessed with things they also devoid any sort of attachment to the real world. Um, I have a book called um, Something the Buddha, and it teaches you about the attachments of the world, like love, um, uh, personal effects, like your watch, like you're so drawn to it, like you can't live without it kind of, you tell yourself that, but you can't. The Buddhist will teach you that none of that's necessary to be happy. You need to monitor your thoughts and constantly keep yourself under control because you can still love, but you cannot be attached to it. Meaning you can have a partner and still feel um, affection for them, but you will not be attached. Like if they walked out of your life the next day, you'd be like, all right, I was happy that it happened. I'm not sad that it went away. I really wish I would have had that thought pattern when uh, I got divorced. (laughs) Yeah, I think everybody wants that, that feeling that it shouldn't feel sad, but it's hard to kind of convince yourself because it's something that traumatically ends or has ended in a way that you didn't want initially. Like relationships in general can have that. That's the kind of the risk love is. Love is needy, love is greedy, love is all sorts of things. It's both positive and bad, and it just depends on how you go about it. And so everybody's interpretation of love is different. And I had to recently learned that for myself my love for you isn't like i want to date you my love for you is like a brother a friend a family member and like for my actual family members which are different from in that same aspect i love them in a different way uh-huh. but the attachment is involved in both sides of that because if you lose your mom or your dad or whoever and you're close to them it's going to affect you that's called being human but the buddhist tells you that you're doing this to hurt yourself. You shouldn't feel this kind of pain. It's okay that I, we have to understand what's happening, that you did suffer a loss, but you should not continuously 
suffer dwelling on it, move on. And that's so hard to do. Like no one has ever lost anybody who's ever been like, okay, I got to go grocery store. Guys, <laughs> he's dead. Funerals are over. Awesome. No one's ever, I mean, unless I hated the person, <laughs> but no one's ever been like that. No one's ever been known to be such a, like a dead pan human being that doesn't care. Mm-hmm. I think and on some level, every human being has some level of empathy, whether they recognize it or not. Because there are serial killers who would rather kill people, but love animals and never harm them. On a, some level, they have an emotional attachment to that. And they treat animals because they know that they're not the same as people. And I, I'm a huge psycho murderer thriller documentary person like i love watching that stuff yeah getting inside the mind of these people is so fascinating you know i get, i don't know why i keep i'm sorry i'm so i keep interrupting your, your stuff <laughs> it's just you keep making me you keep reminding me of things or the ideas but like that's true what you're saying because i was listening to this other podcast the other day uh the podcast is actually called the grim mystics and uh, i actually know the uh, I actually have talked to one of the hosts of that podcast and I would highly recommend uh, our listeners to go check them out. That's Grim Mystics with two M's. Um, and you know, what's funny is this is not even a, a plug for like, they didn't ask me for this plug, but I just like their podcast so much that I just want to just mention it. But they talked about a story. Uh, I want to say it was like two episodes ago and it was about a little girl who had this terrible life when she grew up and when she became like the ages of like 11 or 12 or something like that uh she started killing other kids oh wow but uh then when they were talking about um when they were trying to get them her and her friend who also helped with the killings on when they had them on trial they someone mentioned something about like oh well we, we found a link to like a bunch of dead animals or dead cats or something in the area or and they were trying to pin it on her but this was the only time the girl had any kind of emotion like she was like i completely like didn't give a damn so about that and then suddenly emotion yeah so there's like no care for the kids that that got killed but was just like i would never kill cat i would never kill cats ever like was the only like real em- emotion that she showed. So it's like, it's very interesting that that's, you mentioned that. That's, that's, also that's super, true. Like I, I feel that because I don't like people enough to be like, you, you deserve to live kind of thing. I'm more of like this cat who's trapped inside of a home who doesn't have access to all the things that they're used to is suddenly being trained to be a captive. It's in a sense, every pet is a captive and they're forced to live to your bend and rules until they obviously act out and they get disciplined. So think of them as that they're the constant Stockholm syndrome. They, ne- they don't get a choice. And imagine what that must be like for somebody who's aware of it. A cat doesn't really care because it knows it's going to get food eventually, but. Well, cats domesticated themselves. True, I think that's to come with us. Yeah. yeah. I think that was their version of like, you know what? We're smart. We're gods. We're going to, we're going to make these humans worship us. And one day we're going to, one day, thousands of years later, we're going to be the most popular thing on the thing called the internet. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine cats in Egypt were like, we know the things from the future. Osiris has given us knowledge. <laughs> And we know of the thing called the internet and our popularity will grow exponentially. Soon the planet will be zombies to us. And honestly, it worked. It worked. They've got us by the their freaking little faces and like, you're so cute. I just want to pinch your little face, but I know she'll probably murder me. Right. And she's silently judging us from over there. Yeah. My cat's like literally like 
that side of the camera and she's quiet. She's a talker. She's not this quiet ever, mm-hmm. but she's, I think she understands what we're doing. So she won't talk. She'd be like, I want to leave, but I'm gonna make noise. So you get understand that I want to leave. <laughs> I swear. One of my favorite uh, comics I've ever read was like the two panel comics was the dog saying out loud to itself. Uh, these humans, they feed me, they take care of me. They give me a home. They must be gods. Right. And then the cat <laughs> says the same thing. They feed me. They take care of me. They give me a home. I must be a god. <laughs> <laughs> this must be my new temple. That's a good one. <laughs> That's yeah. actually really great. Oh, my gosh. Because honestly, we treat them like they're the God-given gift to us because they're so precious. Oh, my gosh. And it's fun to watch them do things that you know are like making them chase the little red laser or a string or something silly. And you seeing their reaction and like, Oh my God, it's so funny. And you're like, why is this so funny to me? It's because we're watching a lesser being do something stupid. <laughs> and we're kind of mean like that as it's like people in general, like everybody does this. We make pets do silly things for our amusement. It's not like we're cruel and unusual because it also gives them something to engage because cats are very like, I need to be, I need attention. I want, I will meow to get it. Dogs, they'll whimper and whine, but they, they tend to know I'm going to leave him alone or I'm probably going to get yelled at or something. Cause my dogs were always like super emotionally smart. So if I was having like a bad day, she would know to come cuddle. She's like, okay, I'm going to hang out here with you. You look sad. And same thing with the cat. She knows when you're struggling with something, I don't have emotional support friends. <laughs> Well, I like to call them that. (laughs) They're adorable. Anyways, we should probably wrap up this episode. We've already discussed all our dolls, and uh, now we're talking to people about cats and wizards. Just ramblings. So, uh, again, we want to thank you, Magic, for being on the podcast with us for two full episodes now. So that's awesome. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. I mean you've just been a pleasure to talk to and you know you make some great content on your youtube channels and you know we were honored to have you here and honestly i kind of think that there's different types of doll and puppet stories i think we could get into in a later date and we'd love to have you back for those oh yeah we would love to see how you create your dolls and what you do to design them and what inspires you to do that i would love to see that yeah. I just, cause I've always wanted to learn how to sew and <laughs> create <laughs> things like that. I'm just not that great. I feel like I'm putting her on the spot when I say this, but I think it'd be kind of cool if we could like appear on her channel at some point, just like <laughs> as like a, like she, like she guest starred on ours. So like, I kind of want to guest star on hers now, oh, just sort of like, it'd be kind of fun to do like an educational. Yeah, we will have to come up with something. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll have, we'll let our audience know if, uh, if that ever happens. But uh, so just as we said in the last episode, what, uh, where can our audience find you if they want to check out your content? Well, you can find my doll stop motion horror short films on the YouTube channel, The Secret Doll Society. And if you want to hear about my personal ramblings and mysteries and art and the spirituality and things like that, you can go to the channel Miss Magic Girl TV. And I am also on Instagram as Miss Magic Girl, where I just post uh, creepy dolls and uh, random art things. And uh, yeah, I I would love it if, you know, come friend me there. And uh, Mm -hmm. we will make sure that uh, all of Magic's um, links are going to be in the 
description and in the bio for the episode. We'll also make sure that they're posted on our social media and they'll also be on our website. So you can also find us at our social media sites, which is the real SOPPOD, which is the real soap pod on Facebook and Instagram. And you can visit us on our website, soappod.com. That's SOPPOD.com. You can go there to listen to more episodes, check out some information about us and any little extra stuff we add. And you can also request for a particular episode or story or even to be on the podcast. And you just, it'll just ask you to, you know, basically send a message to us and, you know, we'll review it and see if we'll see if we like like it and we might be able to make it into an episode. So any any kind of interesting thing that, you know, our audience is interested in, we'd love to hear it because, uh, you know, Magic had reached out to me based on a post on Facebook and now we've made two episodes with her. So, it, you know, anything's possible. So we would very much love to have more content creators or even just, you know, fans in general who just love the topics and want to talk about something that they love and they're very knowledgeable about. So yeah, so just go to our social media or our website and just let us know that, you know, if there's anything you want and yeah, we'll happy to deliver. (laughs) So anyways, uh, thank you everyone for joining us again. Thank you magic for joining us and we will see you all in the next episode. 